1: But it is Thursday, March 2nd, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces. as you can hear the show in its entirety, shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Hack, hope everyone's having a great week, and if you're in this space, how could you not be having a great week? Because we are on the eve of the eve of, in my opinion, one of the best UFC cards, top to bottom, that we have had in a long, long time. And in the main event, in my personal opinion, the most intriguing fight we have had in a very long time. And I know Volkanovski versus Makachev was an intriguing fight. And there were a lot of questions surrounding that one. But I think there are are many more questions surrounding the return of John Jones as he gets ready to take on Cyril Ghosn for the vacant heavyweight title in the main event of UFC 285. That main card is absolutely spectacular. It is incredible. We got Valentina Shevchenko defending her title, looking to make it eight title defenses against Alexa Grasso. The return of Shafkot Rachmanov taking on Jeff Neal, his biggest step up to date. Matush Gamrot versus Jalen Turner. We got the UFC debut of Bo Nickel against Jamie Pickett. And then even the, the ESPN prelims are fun too. Cody Garbrand, who had just an incredible media day scrum yesterday. Very raw, very emotional, very honest stuff. He takes on Trevin Jones in the featured prelim. Derek Brunson versus Dirkus Duplessis. Viviani Aruja versus Amanda Hibas. ESPN prelims kick off with Julia Marquez versus Marc-Andre Barriol. we're having kind of an internal discussion about this because we've been talking about the middleweightiest middleweight title and, and things and the evolution of said middleweightiest middleweight title. And we don't know if Brendan Allen kind of fits that mold anymore because he's a ranked middleweight. Maybe this this fight could determine who actually is the middleweightiest middleweight champion. And then we got Ian Machado-Gary against Kanan Song, which is a weird fight. I don't understand why this fight's happening, but it's happening and then we have Mana Martinez, Cameron Simon, Jessica Penne against Tabitha Ricci, Farid Basharat looking to make it 10-0 against Damon Blackshear, and Esteban Rybovich takes on Loik Rajabov. Radz- I'm going to get that name right eventually. And this card just friggin' rules. Normally 14 fights is like, ugh. But, I mean, 10 of these 14 are really, really good. So I am excited for this card. On top of that, we got some big news yesterday in the world of BKFC land. Dave Feldman goes on the MMA Hour and announces that Luke Rockhold and Eddie Alvarez have both signed with the promotion. They both have their first BKFC fights and they're taking on very familiar names. Fellow former UFC fighters, Luke Rockhold is going to fight Mike Perry in April. And in the co-main event of that card, we're going to have Eddie Alvarez versus Chad Mendes. Holy shit. (laughs) Didn't see that coming. Did not see that coming. But BKFC is just making moves. And maybe the sport is not for you. I totally understand that. It's not for everybody. But damn, they are making strong to quite strong moves. They are signing big names. They are putting on fights that people are interested in, whether they watch them or not. And what a year they are having in terms of fights and moments and free agent signings. They're doing it better than Bellator is doing it. They are doing it better than PFL is doing it. They are doing it better than the UFC is doing it, if we're being honest. There is just so much... Interest in BKFC right now, it's it's incredible. It really is. Wow. Just I was stunned when I found out that information. We had to keep it under lock and key until the announcement was made, but I found out on Tuesday what was going on, and I was like, oh my god. And then I didn't even know about the fights. I had heard Luke Rockwell, Mike Perry was probably going to happen, but I didn't know Eddie Alvarez was going to fight Chad Mendez until I heard it yesterday. Just craziness. Absolute craziness. But there you go. A lot to talk about. Uh, we do a BTL later on today. Uh, a fun one. Jed Mishu will be back in action. He's going to take on a fighter. A fighter who had one of the all-time great appearances on the show. And did an incredible job. Was incredibly professional. And a guy who I could see on the broadcast desk in the future. And ironically enough, he just fought this past Saturday and got himself a performance bonus. So Joe Selecki is going to join the show once again uh, to try to follow up on his just incredible showing his first time around. And hopefully Mother Nature cooperates. So we don't lose power in the middle of the show like it did the last time Joe was on. And last time Joe was on, it was the day we found out Mike Perry was fighting MVP in BKFC. So every time Joe comes on, there's always some wacky BKFC news we have to react to. So let's go to you guys and gals and see what is on your mind on a very fun fight week. Four Corner Sports is first in line. Let's go.
2: Hey, Mike. So I saw Dave Thurman announced, um, You know Rockhold versus Perry. Do you think that's the correct move for Rockhold to go to BKFC? I just feel that you know there there's nothing padded over there. Mike Perry is you know he's gonna hit hard. I don't see this going in the the right direction for uh, Rockhold. I can understand Perry Alvarez, um, you know, going in that direction, but I was very surprised to see Luke Rockhold to signing a fight with BKFC. Um, and as for um, the co event, if Val- I mean, I'm, I'm expecting Valentina to win. It's just a matter of how she's going to be able to do it. But how quickly do you see her um, competing in her next fight? And do you feel like it's certain that Aaron Blanchfield will be that next um, opponent? And when do you think that timetable will be? All right. Thanks, Bank.
1: So we'll start with the BKFC stuff. I mean, look, Luke is Luke is. Uh, he's a prize fighter. He wants to make money. He wants to make money. He wants to make as much as he can. And I'm sure Bellator floated an offer to him. Not sure if PFL was in play or not, but BKFC came incredibly correct, and now he's going to fight Mike Perry. To me, like it was. I, I get where you're coming from, but at the same token. What would you rather see? Would you rather see Luke Rockhold take on a smaller Mike Perry in a stand-up fight where he can throw a bunch of punches, or would you rather see him go to Bellator and fight Johnny Eblin and just get mauled for 25 minutes? So you're kind of picking your poison here. Um, What's crazy about this is BKFC is just one of those types of combat sports where sometimes you just got to go in there and do it. And you realize maybe this was the path you could have taken all along. Like Mike Perry was born for BKFC. He was born for it. Like he was, he was that guy. Chad Mendez looked really good. Seems like he was kind of bred for it a little bit. John Dotson is looking incredible in there. It's not for everybody, but maybe this. Maybe Luke will be all right. I don't know. To me, like I would rather see because if if Luke signs with Bellator, he's fighting Johnny Eblin. And Johnny's gonna kill him. Johnny's just gonna take him down and beat his ass. And I know that comes off a little bit disrespectful, but that's what would happen. And which is why I was actually calling for Johnny just to call out Luke Rockle because that be that that is the biggest name he can fight right now so there's no there's no other direction to go with him like you can't sign luke to bellator and then just chuck him in there with some rando who lives in temecula california you gotta for the price tag you gotta use his name to get guys over i don't have a big problem with it i don't have a big problem with it i mean maybe it, come April 30th or the day after that car, maybe we'll feel a little bit differently about it, but we'll see what happens. I, I Luke was going to fight anyways. Luke was going to fight no matter what. I probably have a little more of an issue of Luke just fighting in general, but I would actually kind of prefer him to have a stand up fight with Mike Perry, who Luke is going to be much bigger than come fight night. And there's no threat of him being taken down and somebody sitting on top of him and punching him in the face. So I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. I don't know what's going to happen. I hope that what I just said ages well. But we'll see. And as far as Valentina goes, again, like I try, I just don't see I don't think Valentina is going to break much of a sweat in this fight. I like Alexa Grasso. She is she's a a good, solid hand. She's on a nice run. She's a good fighter. She's fun to watch, but she is just she's about to get mauled on Saturday, and I think Valentina is going to come in there really pissed and with that big chip on her shoulder. And the problem for Alexa Grasso is. She is good at everything, but Valentina is way better than her at everything. And Valentina is much stronger than her. And Alexis Kryptonite, if there is any, is when someone just out physicals her. And Valentina Shevchenko will be able to out physical her. I just don't see this going well for Alexa Grasso. I think Valentina is going to finish her probably in the second or third round. We're going to have an Andrade type of performance, I think. And maybe this summer? Maybe she'll come back in July, August? Maybe do an international fight week. Give Valentina that shine. Throw on the international fight week card. If you do two title fights or three title fights, Shevchenko versus Blanchfield is a great fight. Like, I I am so much more interested in Shevchenko versus Aaron Blanchfield than I am this fight on Saturday. And if the fight goes the way I think it will, then I don't think Chevy will be on the, the sidelines for too too long. So yeah. That's what I think. And who knows, maybe Alex Grass can prove everybody wrong. But I just when I when I like watch fights back and and just see like what the Tatiana Suarez fight is the one that really sticks out to me. Because Tatiana just bolder. Just just out physicaled her just chucked her around and beat her up. And I just feel like Valentina is about to do the same thing to her. I can't get that Suarez fight out of my mind. And I don't think this one's going to be much different, but look, she got to a title fight. She got to fight the best of all the the best woman's fighter in the world. Maybe she'll have her moments, but yeah, this is just a really tough matchup for her stylistically. Uh, let's go to Yaya. Yaya, hello.
3: What's up, Big Mike? How you doing, man? Good, how are you? Good, good. Um, yeah, so I know everyone else, just as much as I am, are excited about this card. Um, but I really wanted to ask about uh, Shavkat and about his potential. Um, he's 16-0, and an amazing fighter. Um, if he wins this fight with Neil, do you think this makes him a championship draw? Um, or do you think if Neil beats him, this helps him kind of get up the ladder? Appreciate you.
1: I mean, it's a big fight for both guys. The thing that's going to hold Shafqat back is, and this is something he can work on, but he's got to be able... Like, the difference between Hamzat and Shafqat is they're both, like, really good. They're both really physical. They're great fighters. But Hamzat could talk and sell himself to multiple audiences, and Shafqat just doesn't have that just yet. I mean... Shavkat is, is a hardcore fan's delight. But right now, he has no casual appeal. Hamzat does. People know who Hamzat is. I play, It's the grocery store test. If I went to the grocery store right now and said and asked 25 random people who Shafqat Rachmanov was, maybe one will know who he is. But I would say five to ten know who Hamzat Shemaev is. That's probably a, an issue. And that's one thing that's going to kind of hold him back because there's just not a ton of casual appeal to him. But if he goes out there and just mollywops Jeff, Jeff, Neal, like he's done to everybody else, you can't ignore him anymore. It, it, it's one of those things. Now I will say this, this to me is maybe the most look Jones gone is, is spectacular. It's so fascinating. I think I have an idea where the Shevchenko fight's going to go. We all know Matush Gamrod versus Jalen Turner is going to be great. Bo Nickel probably will do Bo Nickel things. But outside of the main event, this fight to me is the most interesting on the card because I think most people, when we saw this matchup announced originally, and I felt this way even before it got canceled the first time and rebooked, that Shafkot was just going to dump truck Jeff Neal, He was just going to go in there and wash him. And... The more I've gone back and watched Jeff Neal fights, the more I feel like this fight is closer than people think it is. I think this is a really good fight. I think Shafkot's going to win. I do think Shafkot's going to win this fight. But do I think that he is going to go in there and just ragdoll Jeff Neal like he did to Neil Magny? I don't. I think this fight's closer. And there's certain fights that I've gone back to to try to watch. Like the Neil Magny one was, you know, Neil Magny was like vintage Neil Magny in that fight. Vintage, where he just did Neil Magny things. And sometimes that just wears on you. And at that point, you know, Jeff was kind of in a tough spot. Uh, he was dealing with a lot of adversity. All the, the illnesses and stuff that kept him out for a while. Then he got kind of pieced up by Wonderboy and, and then you have to go back and fight Neil Magny less than five months later. He got his stuff together. He got healthy. Had the great fight with Ponsonibbio. Beat the hell out of Vicente Luque. But there's certain fights that I've gone back and watched. And I was like, oh, this guy, this guy's a little tricky trickster. So if there's one fight I want you to go back and watch. And this was something I heard Jed Mishu talk about a couple of days ago. Go back and watch... Jeff Neal versus Bilal Muhammad, January of 2019. And we all know how good of a wrestler Bilal Muhammad is. We all know how good of a gas tank he has. In terms of like MMA wrestling, Bilal is really good. And he could not do a damn thing to Jeff Neal. He couldn't touch the man. He could not touch the man. And... They have different. There's different wrestling styles between these guys, but Jeff Neal is like really good takedown defense. And the thing about this fight that in- that intrigues me is that Jeff is also a very durable guy. Jeff could take a shot, and Hamzak can hit like a truck. There's no doubt about it. But Jeff can Jeff can take a punch. He's got a really good chin on him, and. One thing about Shafgard that we haven't seen yet that we might see in this fight is what happens if he sees a third round, what happens if this fight becomes a dogfight, what happens if at certain points he's the hammer and it doesn't work and Jeff is able to stay on his feet and able to thwart some takedowns. The betting line is is interesting here. I think it's a, I actually think it's a little wide. I think it's a little wide rock Shafkot's a minus 500 favorite. I don't think he should be that big of a favorite. Now I could be wrong. Shafka could go in there and just truck Jeff Neal, like he's done to everybody else. And would I be like completely shocked by that? No, but would I be a little surprised? Yeah, I would. After going back and watching Jeff Neal, like past Jeff Neal fights, especially the Bala one, I'd be, st- I'd be a little surprised if that happens here. Again, I am picking Shafkot to win, But I don't know if he's going to have a minus 500 type of performance against a guy like Jeff Neal, who seems to be coming into his own again, healthy and ready to go. So I think this fight is better than people give it credit for. And if Shafkot wins, this is a really good litmus test for him. We're going to see how good he really is. And if Jeff Neal can beat Shafkot Rachmaninoff, boom. I think Jeff gains more here than Shafkot. Because if Shafkot wins, he's going to be in that sort of Sarukian... Marabish type of territory. I mean, Marab's getting big fights now, but he wasn't for a minute because people didn't want to fight him. The risk-reward just wasn't there. But I think people look at Jeff Neal a little bit differently. But yeah, the more I like look at this fight, the more I weigh it weigh it down, and the more I watch both guys, the more interested I am in this fight. The more my mind changes that Shafkac is going to pick him up and kill him. I don't think that's going to happen here. I think Shafgat's going to win, but I think he's going to have to work for it. I do think he's going to have to work for it. But man, even that fight's more interesting now than it, than it was a couple of months ago. Jeez, Louise's card's great. Toe welcome back, buddy.
5: I need to sprinkle myself out throughout the year, so I actually only call in when I have something, some passion at heart, right? So, um, okay. That, <laughs> and today, I the thing that I wouldn't, okay, I'm going to use a stupid phrase. The thing that grinds my gears, Right, I was I was a podcast host of an MMA podcast in Denmark at some point. One of the fellow, one of the like uh, staple listeners, uh, t- like DM'd me about this card and asked, "How the hell could they bump Drickus De Plessis and Derek Brunson for whoever Bo Nickel is?" So what I want you to do, I want you to explain to the casual fan what the draw of Bo Nickel is. I know exactly what it is. He looks like the prototype. He has all these accolades. But I just want you to explain to people why he's already a draw, a 3-0, and and why he's already a bigger draw than Trigger's De Plessis. I'm sorry, he just is. So, But just explain to the casual fan, like the guy that DM'd me, and explain Bo Nickel, the phenomenon, the main card opener of this card. Thank you, Mike.
1: I mean, it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy. Like most, most MMA fans, even the, even the fans that, that jumped on board during the pandemic, probably heard Bo Nichols' name at some point because he was such a great collegiate wrestler and won national titles. Penn State is a, is a dynamite program. All of that, but here's the difference between Bo Nickel and DDP. The UFC has actually promoted him. Dana White has been promoting this man. International Fight Week. Perfect example. Out on Radio Row for the day, they brought out certain folk that they wanted to push. One is that uh, that boxer that fights on Fight Pass all the time. I forget his name, uh, but Dana like is kind of like his promoter. Uh, That's one. And the other was Bo Nickel. They brought Bo out to talk to everybody. So on the Fight Pass show, uh, he was doing interviews with all the media and revealed that he was going to be on the Contender Series. And the UFC wanted him out there during the biggest week of the year. Drickus Duplessis was not one of those guys. And he's kind of have to work his way up a different way. There are very few newcomers that get this promotional push that the UFC and Dana has given. And Bo is one of those guys. He's freaking, I think 2-0 is oh a pro. Maybe 1-0 is oh a pro. Before he got the, the contender series fight. And on top of that, Bo was getting a lot of, yeah, he's 1-0. Bo was getting a lot of accolades just from people at ATT. Like, he was getting over in a big way. And once the UFC got a hold of him, which, by the way, they signed him before those Contender Series fights, they they basically developmental dealed him, and then his two developmental deal fights are going to be on the Contender Series. And they built it up beautifully because all the hype was on that first Bo Nickel fight. When people were talking about the Contender Series, all the hype was on the Bo Nickel card. Went out there, washed his opponent. Then he didn't get a contract, and everybody went bananas. Everybody went bananas. Everybody. Ah, oh, how dare you not give this guy a contract? Bellator, call this man up. And I fell for the trap for a minute, too. And then I realized, I was like, this is brilliant. They're just going to bring this guy back, and people are going to watch that card, too, and they're going to spend the next several weeks talking about him. People dogged on how the UFC raises their prospects like bellator does a great job like building up prospects when the ufc finds a prospect that they are all in on and they want to promote them they do a great job of it and Bo is a perfect example of this and then it all comes down to you know what do we do how do we build this fan we give him two very Very great, like very good stylistic matchups where he probably won't even break a sweat. And then for his debut, we chuck him on a main card and we feed him, we feed him Jamie Pickett. Which stylistically, this is a horrible matchup for Jamie. But I will say this, you never know. You never know. I like I think this is a good matchup. I think this is good matchmaking. I think this is the right way to go. I know a lot of people are like, well, let's just chuck him in there with a top fifteen guy right now and see what he could do. He'd probably do really well. Let's th- this is what they're doing here. They they have been on the Bo Nickel train for a long time. And as soon as they got him, they promoted the hell out of him. They flew him out to Vegas. Special guest for International Flight Week. He was that guy. And they're going to build him He's their next middleweight project. Their previous middleweight project was Alex Pereira. Different situation. Alex wasn't really a prospect, but they signed Alex Pereira with the sole purpose to build him to the Adesanya fight because of the rivalry, because of the kickboxing and everything they had him before that. And they're going to do a similar thing with Bo Nickel here, but they're just going to give him probably favorable matchups for the next couple and then they'll test them a little bit more. But yeah. If the UFC wants to get fighters over, they can. And they're doing it right now. Before, Like Bo Nickel is so over right now. And he hasn't even had a UFC fight yet. The UFC can do it. But they just choose who they want to do it with. And that's pretty much the big deal here. Again, this is the, the grocery store test. I guarantee you I could go to the grocery store down the street and ask who Bo Nicol is, and uh, people are going, I will find one or two people who know who he is. If I ask them about Drake's Duplicy, they will not know anything about that, man. They'll be like, who the hell is that? But Bo, I think they will know, because the UFC actually promotes him and pushed him. So that's the big deal. That's why he's on this main card. And DDP isn't. Uh, let's go to Mikey.
6: Mikey, hello. Hey, hey, what's up, Mike? How's it going, brother? Good. How's it going? What's up? Man? Hey, what's going on, guys? Um, listen, I'm gonna go on. A- Sorry, I'm really rant. After like the last three se- three seconds, I'm like, hey, why do MMA fans do this all the time? Why do why do they always act like they have it all figured out better than the UFC? As if the UFC hasn't been doing this shit. Pardon me for the last 20 years and have been successful in doing it. And it always makes me laugh. And we've talked about this before too. It's like MMA fans will never give the UFC the credit they deserve. And this isn't me trying to show for this. It's just, can we just call a spade a spade? You know, they're like, oh, the UFC just relies on stars that, that became big elsewhere. I'm like, what? Oh, Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey wasn't that famous when she was in Strike Force. She was famous to MMA fans. But not to Pete regular people. He became famous in the UFC. You know? Oh, Luke Rockhold, he was a Strike Force guy. None of you people watched him in Strike Force. No one. Casual people did not watch him in Strike Force. Very few people remember he beat Jacare. Then he showed up to the UFC and now everyone su- now everyone suddenly knows the guy. Right? Maybe pride fighters were probably more famous before going to the UFC, but like all this other stuff. Oh, Bull, why is Chris, because it's the the Chris Curtis argument, right? I feel other than fighters themselves, MMA fans need to, like, relax about card placements because what are you people talking about? Are you going to stop watching the card because somebody's not in the main card? Oh, my favorite... Oh, this fight should have been here. This fight should have been there. Yeah, even... I might agree with some of it. Even if I agree with some of it, at the end of the day, are you not going to watch? Are you really going to pretend that you're going to skip the whole card because they put, you know... Drisco's duplicy in the prelims instead of the main, main card. Did you guys forget that all prelims are shown on TV now? That the ESPN side of the prelims, they're like, hey, can we get some good fights on here too? Also, and this is not often, but a factor that nobody talks about enough is like, oh, well, this fight should be here next to this. I'm like, you guys do understand that sometimes on a card, multiple people are from the same gym. Why on earth would you put fighters from the same gym fighting consecutively that's where. remember when trevor whitman was like oh no i like that justin gaethje opened the main card against michael chandler so that way i wouldn't have michael chan i wouldn't have the gaethje and the rose fight back to back like use your brains people sorry that's it for me now mike you're here in vegas right i'm going to the presser today i'll see you so are you here i am not i am not in vegas now oh dang Ah well, whenever it says. I'll see you around, man. All right, take care, guys. Have a good day. Uh,
1: thank you, sir. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's certain times card placement bothers me. For the most part, it really doesn't. Uh, I think this card is actually constructed perfectly. Um. DDP, like, even for his July fight, he was on the prelims. He was on the main card for 282, but that's because he fought Darren Till. If he didn't fight Darren Till, he wouldn't have been on the main card. Um, DDP has star potential. He's just not there yet. Now, if he goes out there and runs over Derek Brunson, that's going to help his case for sure. But... Yeah, Bo's, Bo's just over, man. Like, the UFC promoted the hell out of him. They, they made him really interesting. And the, he's, they, they put a lot of pressure on this man, and he asked for it. But what I like about Bo, too, is that he's pretty, it's pretty realistic. Like, he'll cut the occasional promo and say the occasional thing that makes people think. But for the most part, it's like, he's pretty real. And we'll see how he does. Like, But Bo Nichols' debut is a big deal on this card. It, it just is. It's a bigger deal than plus C fighting Derek Brunson, who, let's be honest, the man hasn't said a lot of things that have convinced me that he is like all in on mixed martial arts right now. This guy's had a foot out the door for like a year and a half now. But I do like this matchup a lot for, for both guys because Derek Brunson is... Derek Brunson has been that guy who if you have a surging up and comer, you throw him in there with Derek Brunson. You think he's just going to go in there and roll Derek. And then Derek has like an A plus performance. I don't think that happens here. I think Dirkus is a little too chaotic. He's the better athlete. Uh, He's more in his physical prime right now. But if Derek has a good night, this is a really interesting fight, but more people are going to watch DDP fight Derek Brunson than watch Bo Nickel fight Jamie Pickett. That spot, like that, that ESPN spot, especially the featured prelim spot, that's a money spot. If you're not in the main event or the co-main event, that's where I would want to be because you're going to get all the eyeballs on you. Much more than the pay-per-view broadcast. Like John Jones' return is going to be a big deal, but this isn't going to do like a million pay-per-view buys. But well over a million people are going to watch Cody Garbrandt fight Trevin Jones. That's how they construct these cards. And plus, they probably think Cody and Trevin are just going to go in there and blast each other out. And if there's people on the fence that that are thinking about buying it but maybe haven't pulled the trigger yet, that fight might actually get them over the hump. Yeah, I think people card placement. It, it is what it is, and there are certain fights. Hi, Double A. What's up?
0: You too. I've got three. Um, what do we
5: do with Blank Fighter after, after uh, this matchup? So, what do you, what do you think they should do with Cody Garbrandt if he wins?
6: What are they? What do you think they should do with DDP, DDP if he beats Brunson? And what do you do? Cyril gone if he loses the main event. That's all from me. Everyone, you're awesome. Take care of yourselves and have a great day. Peace.
1: So Cyril gone will probably fight Sergei Pavlovich because I think Curtis Blades is going to beat Sergei Pavlovich. Um, I think that's like a tailor-made fight for Curtis Blades. So that's what I think will end up happening. Uh, Cody Garbrandt. I am siding with Jed on this one. Cody will fight Davis and Figueiredo. Figgy will make his Bantamweight debut. And he will fight Cody Garbrandt, a fight they tried to book before. Uh, and those two are just going to absolutely throw bombs at each other. So that's what I think will happen there. Uh, DDP. I think he fights Brett and Allen, win or lose. That's what I think they're going to do. I could be wrong. I just... Yeah, I think that's just a good fight. I'd like to see that fight. I think Brennan Allen's a tougher fight for DDP than Derek Brunson is right now. So that's, that's how I would do it. I'm not a matchmaker. I just am one on Sundays. And speaking of that, AK and I will be live this Sunday following UFC 285 uh, for a live edition of On to the Next One on the YouTube channel. Um, it'll be a lot of fun. Mikey! Hello. Hello Mike Junior, how are you? Good, how are you?
7: I'm good. Um, just wanna I just wanna talk about Benil Darius, Charles Oliver fight. Do you think it's it's sort of injustice to Benil Darius when you see as through has three him with Charles Oliveira when he's so close to the title fight, and if he loses to Charles Oliveira, we all know he's not gonna get another title shot. The suitable fight for him would have been Rafael Fiziev. Instead of Charles Oliveira, so basically UFC trying to get Charles Oliveira a win, I think. And the other thing I want to talk about is uh, Luke Rockhold. I will be so happy seeing Mike Perry trucking Luke Rockhold, cause I literally don't like Luke Rockhold, and Mike Perry is going to. Him. The other thing I want to ask about, want to say about uh, when Hamza Chimaev got, got switched, uh, got switched to Kevin Holland. When Nate Diaz and Hamza Chimaev was about to fight, and you and Jed Mishu was. Uh, we're always, uh, we're uh, already convinced that uh, Kevin Holland is going to knock Hamza Chimayev. So this Jeff Neal and uh, Shao khat fight, do you think it's the same kind of fight, just like Hamzat and Kevin Holland? Thanks a lot, brother.
1: Yeah, so people love, love to bring up that. Yeah. Um... The reason why I picked Kevin Holland in that fight, and Jed was with me on this, uh, was not because Kevin Holland was the better fighter by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, it was because you have to—I don't care who you are—and Hamza is just an anomaly when it comes to this. Uh, what that man had a horrible week. I mean, just a terrible week at the in Las Vegas. Terrible. Everything that happened, the near fights in the back, uh, just getting negative press left and right, uh, missing weight by a million pounds, losing a layup. He would have killed Nate Diaz. The UFC did him a favor. That was a Hamza Shumaya favor. That was, hey, we're going we're gonna to guide you into a title fight as simple as possible. And he missed weight by a lot. Like, it wasn't like he missed weight by a half a pound. He missed weight by almost an entire weight class. And I just felt like, man, you just fumbled the bag. Like, I mean, it was one of the biggest bag fumbles I've ever seen. Now, he went out there and, and dumped Kevin Holland, no doubt about it. But I just, this is a mental thing. I was like, well, I mean, this whole week has just been downhill for him. Let's just ride that train. And I, hey, right hand up. I was wrong. Uh, Hamza didn't care. Like the man just didn't care that he missed weight. He didn't care about the rest of the week. And then he went on the mic and he just cut a heel promo. He didn't care that everybody like disliked him. Didn't care about any of that shit. Most humans would. He didn't. He doesn't care about anything. He just wants to win fights and hurt people and finish them quick. And... Yeah, that did not have any effect on him, and I didn't see that happening. Do I compare this fight to that? No. Totally di- different circumstances. I am picking, hum- picking Shafkat Rachmanov to beat Jeff Neal. What I am saying is I don't think this is going to be the type of fight where Shafkat just picks Jeff up, dumps him, and beats the shit out of him from beginning to end. I think he's going to have to work for this one more so than any of his other wins. Uh, cuz Jeff's really good. I just don't think Jeff's getting enough credit. I am not picking Jeff Neal to win. I'm picking Rock to win. This to me has if we're going to make a better Hamzat comparison, the better Hamzat comparison is this feels more and it's not I don't think it's going to be exactly the same. This feels more like Hamzat versus Gilbert Burns than Hamza versus Kevin Holland. This feels like a good litmus test this is far and away the best guy he's fought stylistically. Far and away. This is not even a conversation. Jeff Neal is the toughest fight Shafkat Rakhmanov has ever had, and it's not even close. Shafkat is going... I'm picking Shafkat to win. Picking him. But I think he's going to have to work for it. That's, that's all I'm saying. I've watched a lot of tape on both of these guys, especially Jeff Neal. That Bilal-Muhammad fight... Gave me a little bit of pause. Still picking Shafkot. Still picking him. But I don't think it's going to be the same Shafkot just absolutely annihilating him. I do think Shafkot's going to win.
0: The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ, Patchy Mix, defends his belt in a rematch JD, hello.
5: Mike, what's up, buddy? Can you hear me? Yep. Awesome, awesome. Hopefully I don't sound like I'm on top of a mountain like last week. Um, so-
1: no, you sound like you're underwater a little bit, but it's all right.
5: <laughs> I guess I
0: can't win. All right, so uh, hopefully Jed is able to make it to BTL today. I know that he's probably in mourning because his favorite fighter, Garrett Till, is
5: no longer fighting, fighting with UFC. Um, but anyway, i got two questions for you will kind of dance around these questions but they haven't asked it directly one what happens to cody carver if he loses and then two you kind of touched on this and i think i know your answer but outside the main event 285 what is the fight that
1: you have to watch if you can only watch one fight anyway thanks buddy hope you have a great week Thanks, man. Yes, Jed will be on BTL today. Uh, I'll probably ask him about Darren Till, but that's not really one of the top. There's just so much shit to talk about. Uh, and we can't have a two-hour show. Uh, I'll probably get Jed's reaction to it. Maybe I'll do that like right off the bat. Yeah, I think that's probably what I'll do. That's probably what I'll do. Uh, I mean, Gamrat Turner, I think, is just gonna be a- just gonna be wild. Um, like I said, I am intrigued by Rachmaninoff-Neal because I do think Neal is going to be able to give Rachmaninoff a bit a bit of a test. Um, but Gamrot-Turner is going to be ridiculous. That fight rules. I can't wait to see it. I'm stunned by the betting odds here. I didn't think it would be this far apart, if we're being honest. Where are we at here? I looked at it yesterday. I was like, huh? All right, it dropped a little bit on DraftKings. It dropped a lot on DraftKings. But most of the other sites are where they're at. Most of the other sites outside of DraftKings have Matush Gamera as like a minus 225 favorite in this fight. I feel like that line is super wide. Uh, but DraftKings has Gamera down to a minus 170. I would probably squeeze it a little closer, 160. But I, I can't wait to see how Jalen Turner reacts. And I can't wait to see how Gamrat reacts to a guy as big and as physical as Jalen Turner. The that's the Intercontinental title fight on this
6: card. Love that fight.
1: Uh, let's go to Raffy Sports. Hey, Ma- Raffy. Appreciate your patience, man. How are All you? All
6: good, man. Uh, I'm good. And you? Good. So I want to talk about UFC 285. But before before I talk about that, I want to ask about uh, Jake Paul and Tommy Fury. If you watch the fight, do you think now Jake Paul is a legit boxer or has he been exposed? And the second is uh, about UFC 285. Everybody's talking about the bone nickel uh, fight uh, going up and the Dricus and Derek one going down. But what about Ian Gary being on the prelims? What do you think about the early prelims? Sorry, early prelims. Even worse. What do you think about that? And can you give me predictions of the main event? Thank you, Mike. Have a good night. The Ian
1: Gary fight is weird. Like, that fight makes literally no sense to me. I, I just don't, I don't get it. I, I don't get this fight at all. I really don't get it. Like, I'm not trying to dog on Kanan Song here, but this is a step back for Ian Gary. I'm not saying Chuck Ian e and Gary in there with, you know, Nico Price or anything, although that would be fun. But Kanan Song was just not, like, anywhere near the kind of fighter that I was expecting Ian to fight next. Um, yeah, I just think it's the, it's the matchup. You know what I mean? I think they're trying to get people to tune in early. And maybe it's just because of the... You know, the, the Irish, the European crowd, like they want to just get him on early so people can watch. Maybe it's that. But yeah, this, this is a weird fight. It's a weird one. I don't love it. I mean, Ian, I, besides Bo Nickel, uh, Ian's the biggest favorite on the card, and he should be. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't like this fight at all. But Ian will win and have his moment. Hopefully he gets to have his moment with Joe Rogan and cut a nice promo and go from there. But this guy's really good. He's, he's only going to get better. Uh, I like that they're not just rushing him up, but I just this one just seems like a step back to me. So I don't love that. The Jake Paul, Tommy Fury thing is like... Let's be clear. They are both not good at boxing. Even Tommy, like, they're both not good. They're both not good. Uh, I thought Jake Paul was, like, less bad. And I thought Tommy Fury was, like, pretty bad. Um, And Tommy's just not as bad as I thought. Uh, And Jake is... More bad than I thought. Like I guess, I mean, look, this fight is what it was. This was not going to be a technical masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination. But I mean, look, you got to take, you got to take your hat off to Jake Paul, man. Like you have to. Whether he's who gives a shit about his skills, the fact that he has put himself in this position and people give a shit, like no matter what. And the preliminary numbers on that card are like a half. He says about a half million. talked to some folks too. It's going to be around there, if not a little more. I mean, people were into that shit on Sunday. They were. And I I will admit that one grew on me because I I did not care at all until maybe like the Thursday before, maybe the Friday before. And I was like, you know what? I'm probably going to go ahead and suck it up and watch it. But Tommy was the better boxer. That's it. I mean, he just was the better boxer. And it's not He's not good, but he's just better than Jake at boxing. I don't know what they're going to do, honestly. I honestly have no idea. I don't know if they're just going to run it back. I don't know. I don't know. Main event prediction, I'm just not there yet. I'm just not there yet. I was with Cyril for most of this build. I'm leaning more daily towards John Jones. But I will have my official prediction on the preview show tomorrow. I will make up my mind. But if you ask me right now, I'm picking John Jones. How? I don't know. Um, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this fight like I have twenty dollars to spend and I have to put it on somebody. And I understand there's value on Cyril Ghan at plus money. But New York Rick says this all the time, and I completely agree with him. If you're gonna get the opportunity to bet on a guy who many feel is the greatest to ever do it, and you're gonna get him at minus one fifty-five odds you may never get this chance again and you're willing to suffer the consequences of it. But the more I go back, the more I look at it, the more I watch John fight, like the, the more I've gone back through the catalog of John Jones, the more I feel like he causes more problems for Cyril Gan than I initially thought. I talked a lot about Cyril being really good in the clinch and John getting a lot of his takedowns in those tight spots uh and john doesn't really even show that part of his game that much but john is excellent in the clinch and you have to like kind of go back and see it because he just uses his length so well and that's what's won him a lot of these fights and doesn't really have that big advantage here so he's gonna kind of have to get inside but he's actually really good but I, I still have a ton of questions about John. No know not about it, but the more I think about it, the more I lean John, but I haven't made my decision just yet. I will get off the fence tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern. I assure you of that. Uh, we'll go to Boss. we'll go to PJ, they will go to Anthony. Boss, hello.
5: Hi, man. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Yeah, good, man. I've just got uh, two questions. Um, obviously, with the main event you were touching on, uh, I just want your opinion. Is, is this the worst uh, fighting category at the moment? In the uh, in the UFC, because in terms of uh, there's only Gane and Miocic that I can see as challenges for Jon Jones, and uh, there's no one else in that division for me. That's my opinion. And the second question, uh, what do you what do you think of the two brothers, uh, Javed and Farid uh, Basharat? Um, I know they're both unbeaten. Uh, what what do you think of them two?
1: I'm very high on Javid Basharad. Uh, I'm very high on his brother, too. So it'll be nice to see him get in there and make his debut. They're both really good fighters, very solid hands. Yeah, I like both of them a lot. I like both of them a lot. Javid, I think, is... Javid's going to gonna be like a top... I'm I'm pretty confident he's going to be like a top 10 guy at worst. Might even ascend higher than that. But at worst, he's going to be a top 10 guy. Uh maybe Farid will be the same. But yeah, we'll see how he does tomorrow. Or on Saturday, excuse me. And then the other question is heavyweight the like I, I think you were asking if heavyweight is like the I don't know if it's the weakest, but the less deep division in the UFC. God no. Two oh five by a long shot. It's not even close. 205 is just, yikes. It is a tough hang. It's a tough, tough division. That's a rough one. 205 is, uh, it's kind of interesting right now because Jamal Hill looks so good and Yuri is hurt and we're wondering when he's going to come back and I'm interested in a Jamal Hill-Yuri fight. But man, Ankoliath is tough to watch. He's good. Jan is... Knocking on the door of 40. Rakic coming off a loss. Anthony Smith is there, who's... Oh, I like a lot, but I just don't think he wins a belt. Krylov, maybe. Span might be the dude. Johnny Walker, so hit or miss. Like, I think Span might be, like, the most interesting guy. Right now, but... Yikes, 205 is tough. 205 is a tough division. Yeah. 205 is far worse in my opinion. Uh, let's go to PJ. PJ, what's up, man?
3: Hey, what's going on, Mike? Um, yeah, so I I live over here in the, uh, Carolinas where, uh, regular sports book betting is illegal at the current moment. So, um, we have to use this here uh daily fantasy in order to um get in on the action which kind of sucks so basically it's like a you pick like five or six fighters and you put some money down you get into a pool of people and finishes uh get you more points etc um so i i have uh shevchenko um i have bo nickel um i'm a, I'm a huge fan of Derek brunson um, I think it's going to be a bad day for Wilmington, um, for, Jane, for Jane Pickett and Brunson, even though uh, Brunson's one of like my, my favorite guys. But I know you can't be super biased when it comes to personality. I wanted to hear your thoughts on um, the Brunson fight because I'm on the edge. And I wanted to know if you have any fights in mind on this card that you think – um, could be finishes like, uh, and there was one more fight on the very bottom. Uh, I heard somebody on MMAF or yeah, talk about it on the YouTube page, uh, Esteban, or something. And um, really? yes, sorry. And uh, that that's it though for me. Thank you. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I've I think I've done like one of those lineups, and I actually like cleaned up. <laughs> I did really well. Um, cause it's not like the top. I'm not really all that into it, but it seems like at least when I won, it wasn't like the tippity top fighters that got you the wins. It was the sort of darker horse ones. I think so. I mean, obviously, Shevchenko and Bo are probably the highest of the high. And I'm sure Shafkot's probably up there too. um, Yeah, I think DDP is going to beat Derek Brunson. I think Jalen Turner has a lot of value because he's the dog, and I'm sure he's lightly priced. So, yeah, it's not a bad one. That'd be a pretty good pick if you need a darker, like a dark horse, Um, someone to kind of fly under the radar.
4: Hmm.
1: Yeah, it's not, it's not a ton of value everywhere. So you're gonna have to like you're gonna have to be crafty about this. Uh, you're gonna have to pick someone who's probably gonna lose, but at least be competitive. I wonder where like Julian Marquez sits. Marc Andre Barrio, Like, I feel like if Marc Andre Barrio wins, he's gonna win a decision. But if Julian wins, he's gonna finish. So MAB might have a little bit of value. And then if you have to take a like if you have to take an interesting dog shot to like fill out your lineup, I would never bet on Trevin Jones to be Cody Garbrandt. I think that line is way too valuable on the Cody side. Cause I think he's just barely a fit like a, what is he minus one sixty five? Like that's crazy. I feel like this one should be lined a little higher the more I look at it. But Trevin can crack, man. Trevin finished Mario Batista. And that win has aged really well because Mario has been on a roll. So, yeah. It's tough, man. This is a tough card to, like, pick that lineup because you got to pick two tippy-top <laughs> ones and then trying to fill out the rest is going be, gonna to be really tough. But I think there's some interesting names out there. Anthony, yeah, wanna, take us home, my friend. I just
4: wanted to give some pushback on uh, some guy who called earlier saying that the card placement does not matter. Uh, Maybe I'm under the Chael school of thought, but card placement is the only thing that matters. Rankings do not matter. And he said uh, maybe the coaches aren't back-to-back. Well, Shavkat is in the third spot, so they wouldn't be back-to-back over there in Kill Also, Eric Nixick, not too long ago, I think on the evolved Strickland card, he, he coached the last three fights all back-to-back. So maybe that was just Trevor Whitman's old ass trying to get a breather, breather o- earlier. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like uh, the card placement doesn't matter. I mean, you go to a comedy show, you don't see Joe Rogan performing uh, before Ari Shafir, you know. And uh, I just want to big up this weekend, you know, big card. I'm looking at this card and I'm like, mm, there's. I don't really – I'm in the, also under the school of thought of pick winners when I'm betting. And I'm looking at all these underdogs, and I want to give them paths to victory. But, I mean, I don't know. The only dog I'm really looking at is the first one, Lloyd Rachmanov. Uh, That guy was apparently kicked off the tough series. So, we'll see how he does. But, yeah, that was all just the pushback on the placement of the card. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's there's certain times where I think it matters, but – I don't think the UFC got this one wrong. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they got this wrong. Like, I know in terms of, like, rankings, which you say, and I agree with you, rankings don't mean anything. Um, That's why, like, DDP versus Derek Brunson is, like, a fine, it's, like, a good prelim fight. It's going to get ratings on ESPN, which the partnership is, yeah, it's the pay-per-view and it's ESPN Plus and all that, but, like, ESPN would like to have their television ratings at a pretty solid spot, right? You know what I mean? So it, there are certain cases. There are certain cases. Uh, like Chris Curtis, we talked about this on the show. Um, like I feel like Chris Curtis is in a better spot fighting Calvin Gassum as the featured prelim than him opening up the main card. He's not getting pay-per-view points. He's not getting any of that. This is about getting over and trying to become a star, and that's how you do it. You get more freaking eyeballs on you. Um, and if you, if somehow like the UFC has this ability to, um, has this ability to figure out like when the pay-per-view buys come. If that featured prelim, all of a sudden, like goes through and it's a fun fight or great finish, and then all of a sudden they get like fifteen thousand extra buys or whatever it was, um, they're gonna be they're gonna be like, oh cool, like maybe we have something there. So I, I do like there's there's certain cases where I completely agree with you, but there's certain cases also where I'm just like, eh, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Like the fight night cards. Like, does it really like if you're not in the main event of those fight night cards with how they're put together, does it really even matter? Does it really even matter? I've talked to a ton of fighters who were ranked or just outside of the rankings who have fought on those fight night cards that have told me, like, I want to be the first fight on those cards so I can get the hell out of there. I just wanna like go in there and fight and be done and enjoy the rest of my day. Um that's How they are. Um, There are certain times where it's unfair and it feels weird, but uh, there are certain cases where the fighters are like, "Oh man, like I wish I wasn't the co-main event. I wish it was like the second fight of the of the cards. Like get the hell out." Um, It just all depends. The UFC crafts these pay-per-view cards in a certain way. The first fight is typically one where outside of the Chandler Gaethje one, where things got swapped around, but. For the most part, it's like we're going to put a fight in the first spot where someone is just going to get run off, just run out of the octagon real quick, really effectively violent, just a big finish in the first round. Like get the card off to a great start with a big finish. And then we go from there to let's put a banger up next. And that's what we're getting. And then let's get another banger in there. Let's let's spread things out. And then we go to the co-main event and the main event. So I actually think the main cards lined up perfectly. Like I understand some, some people want like rankings and meritocracy and all that stuff. Like they want fights that mean something towards the rankings. But again, rankings don't mean anything. They don't mean anything. It's just a nice shiny number that just is next to your name. Um, That's that. All right. We are done. Uh, We will be back tomorrow. We'll do this again. Uh, Free for all Friday plus. I'm sure we're going to have a lot of UFC 285 stuff. Uh, Join us at 1230, about an hour and a half from right now, on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel, BTL. It's going to be fun. Lots to talk about. And tomorrow's going to be a busy day. We'll be here at 10 a.m. Eastern. Then the weigh-in show. Actually, no, we're not going to be here at 10 a.m. Eastern tomorrow. Ooh, I forgot about that. I'm going to figure something out. So tomorrow is a very strange day for me. Um, I got roped into DJing at my kid's school tomorrow. They're doing this like field day color run event. And I got roped into hosting and DJing it and playing a bunch of music and watch a bunch of kids run and get paint thrown at them. So that's what I'll be doing until like one Eastern and then we got preview show and all that stuff. So maybe we'll, uh I will let you know, maybe we'll do like a heck of an evening or something, or maybe we'll just do it on Saturday. I don't know. I'll let you guys know, but I just thought of that. I'm glad I talked, talked that all out. So uh, thank you all very much for joining us. We'll figure something out to get a, to get another show in this week. Uh, whether we just do it Saturday uh, during the afternoon or, we do something tomorrow night or something. Uh, but then off to New York Saturday morning. I got to wake up super early for that. Uh, watch party. It's just going to be a busy ass week and a busy ass weekend, everybody. So thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate it very much. Have a great rest of the day. And as always, have a heck of a morning.